Hello. Hold on, we started again. Hello, and welcome to Dopey. I didn't like that one. Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave. My name is Chris. Did you like that My one? My name is Chris. Did you, what? Hello. <laughs> Did you like that one? Hello. Did you like that one? Yeah. Good. Good. And this is Dopey, the podcast about uh, mostly dumb shit. And here we are in the luxurious, sprawling estate of Chris's parents in Southampton, home of rich people everywhere. And um, good times, man. I think this place is better than the uh, old Lower East Side. The acoustics are good. What, and the new mic might be better than the Yeti. I doubt that. Why? Because the Yeti was more expensive, therefore it was better. But look it's at better. this. It's, it's got a little stand. <laughs> These things are so shitty. The, the stand was heavier than the mic. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice, I like it. It's like a little bullet. Look at my vape juice now. It looks like a black and tan. What, did you put two flavors in? Yeah, the bottom is blueberry yogurt, Ugh. and the top is vanilla custard tobacco. <laughs> so it's a blueberry vanilla Custard thing. tobacco yogurt. Chris has been sharing his vape with me because I can't smoke in his parents' house, and I'm really enjoying it. I got to get my vape back online. I've been telling him. I've been singing the praises of this for years. A year, yeah. You know, you know, can I tell you my plan? I have a new plan to stop smoking. Do you want to hear what it is? What? I don't, because it's... Nick Reiner's not going to like it, but maybe you will. What? I'm going to pray twice a day to God mm. to help me stop smoking. Do it. I think it's going to work. Yeah. I really do. Everyone always said to Bill Wilson, they're like, he died of emphysema. They're like, why don't you use the steps to quit your cigarette addiction? And what would he say? Fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> um, but that's my plan to stop smoking. Because cause nowadays, like, I smoke... Like, ugh, and like, I live with my daughter now, which is the greatest thing that's Do ever Do you hide happened. it from her? Yeah. But like... Does she know? Yeah. Um, I wake up early in the morning, like very early, and I like drink coffee and try to smoke cigarettes and listen to Howard Stern. And it's like 6.30 in the morning. And I'm not like chain smoking. I smoke like one cigarette. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, I hear a noise and I'm like, I hope it's not her. And then I turn around and she's standing in the kitchen. And she doesn't see me with a cigarette. I just flick it away and turn around. But I come Wait, inside. Wait, you smoke in the... Oh, outside. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then I come inside and she's... And you reek like cigarettes. Yes. Right? And you know what it smells like to her? What? Daddy. Is that not the saddest <laughs> thing in the world? You want to hear something sad? I don't what? know if I've said this, but someone told me this the other day. What? Do you ever pick Nora up? All the time. There's going to be a time that you pick Nora up. That is going to be the last time you ever pick her up. I know. Isn't that weird? And you won't know when it is. Yeah, that's interesting. Isn't that like a cool little fact? It's sad. Yeah. Um, but picking her up is a joy. Yeah. And, uh, and I have to say, you know, as hokey as it might sound, that like I got my family back together and it's only because I'm sober and it's such a good thing. I know. I'm so sick of hearing you whine about your family. It's nice that I don't have to hear it anymore. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it is right yeah it it's is. a whole different thing i've been hearing about it for five years and i fixed it thanks to um sobriety sobriety the yeah. miracle of the deal what a good deal and now we have dopey that'll that'll be the thing that tears our my family apart <laughs> so so you know here we are flip of a coin yeah um so recently we were talking about Artie lang and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Artie because we have a very special guest coming on the show today. And we're also hoping that if we just keep talking about Artie, eventually somebody will listen that will give it to Artie. At least that's what I'm hoping. Who? Somebody. Billy Baru? Billy Baru. We already had somebody who has a line to Artie, however minuscule it is. We should just get over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. So I was uh, on Facebook... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was on Facebook and, um, you know, in my trending news stories, like, I'm the biggest idiot in the world. The only things that show up in my trending news story are, like, rock and roll heroes, fucking the Knicks, Artie Lang, you know, and Artie was number one. I was like, is he dead? Like, what's what's going on with Artie? And Mine is, like, infant dies of suboxone <laughs> <laughs> really, really? No, but it's like shit like that. Right, you know? right. Yeah, Suboxone <laughs> is always in my trending, too. Suboxone's in all the ads and anything I look on on the internet. 
All right. It's always Suboxone. They're trying to push for me. Yeah, like maybe you should consider getting back on Suboxone. <laughs> um, and also, before I even go into my arty shtick, I just want to say I don't have anything against anybody on Suboxone and Methadone. I listen to Dopey and I hear me putting people down, but I'm not putting them down. Well, specifically, we had my friend message me who said that like, he's on Methadone and it's been helpful for him. And I didn't even know that. And like, I just, I know he's in the program and like, He's doing well for a couple of years. I have um, nothing bad to say about anybody doing wait, well. I'm just going to give a shout out to my friend. Brian, what's up? I want to just tell the Dopey Nation, which is pretty cool. I knew Brian from a big book study that I did in Western Massachusetts. Brian moved to Atlanta and he was searching for a podcast on drugs. He found Dopey, started listening to Dopey, and then found out that it was uh, me that co-hosted with Dave. So he found it randomly, which is pretty cool. You do more than you co-host it. We created this thing. We created Co-hosting it. is like somebody found you and said, will you host my show? But we created this thing. Thank you. No, no doubt. And Brad, Brad, Brad had a role in creating this thing, too. However small it is and his <laughs> participation even smaller. So, Brad, why don't you do something for a change? I know you're listening. Drop a review. He dropped a review. <laughs> he dropped a good review. Uh, oh, he did? He did. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's probably one of the first ten. But he dropped a really good one, like a comprehensive oh, review. Oh, yeah, because he took a while to do it. And make then he that, dropped why don't you make one. that the iTunes review of the week? Read it. Brad, yeah. there you go. We're going back in time. Gotta go back to the in time. Back in time. You know that song? No. You know? Um, we got to get Anders Osborne on here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. great song. Yeah. That's from Johanna. What's up, Johanna? Thanks for sending that in. Who's that? Uh, my neighbor. Uh, okay, what is it? Do you know what he said it was? Yes, it was like uh, Satanzilla. It's in the first. It's in the first couple. Oh, there it is. It's the first one. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Okay, so um, I can't even read the full title because it's too long. The title says "Dopey," the Dopey podcast about dope. Dot dot dot. From debauchery. Maybe that was the whole title. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not because there's an I too. Um, from debauchery to recovery and back again, Dave and Chris are, and friends tell the most awesome, most awful, most hilarious, most shocking true stories of drug addiction you'll ever find in one place. Never mind all the drug and recovery talk. I think Chris and Dave have amazing chemistry and provide enough quality laughs, intriguing ideas, and subversive fun for anyone to get hooked on this weekly podcast. Well, not anyone, but anyone I would want to hang out with anyhow. If you are an addict in recovery or just enjoy voyeuristically dipping your toes into somebody else's pool of depravity, like me, you need to feed your head some dopey. Great. I love that last line. You should be a writer. Read it again. If you are an addict in recovery or just enjoy voyeuristically dipping your toes into somebody else's pool of depravity, like me, you need to feed your head some dopey. Bradley. Great line, right? Very good. Well written. Yeah, we should send that to some paper. Oh, you know we haven't added? We were going to have the Joe's pick, Joe Shrank's pick of the week. We're supposed to do those, too. Well, what's his pick? Uh, he, I gotta find it. He sends me all that funny stuff. What's the last thing he sent you? I don't know. I text with him too much to find what it was. I can't remember what it was. Are we almost it's at a point funny. where we could talk about Joe's latest thing? Mm, I'll text him and then you, uh, um, you start talking. Let me text him right now. So I wanted to talk more about this Artie Lang business. So Artie shows up in my trending Facebook thing and, um, I was like, Hmm, what's going on with Artie? And it's this thing where Artie is, uh, you know, Artie doesn't talk about Howard too much, but Artie's bashing Howard in this thing, saying that Howard's gone soft and Howard isn't the same Howard that he was back in the day when Artie Lang was on the show and the show is a much different show. Um, And he was saying how basically Howard sold out, that Howard used to be this rebel who could be an A-lister but not do all of the trappings of an A-lister and not be politically correct. And now Howard like lives for these long form celebrity interviews. And rather than having uh, somebody like, excuse me, Gary, the retard on the show, he's named He's going for names. Well, no, he's named Gary, the retard, Gary, the conqueror or Wendy, the retard has become Wendy, the slow adult. So he's getting like PC, he's getting PC and like, and rather than having Artie stuttering John and Gilbert Gottfried on the show, 
like bashing somebody. Artie's point was like Richard Christie, who's one of the uh, quote unquote writers and, and kind of voices and, and talent of the Stern show. He came in recently and cried about the fact that his um, guinea pig had died and like they're consoling him and all Artie wants to do is like make fun of him and they don't make fun of him because now Howard is like this big animal rights guy and, <laughs> and, and Artie is certain that Howard has lost his mind. And, and Artie goes on and on and on. And, and, and to be fair, uh, I like the, the Howard Stern show now too because I like the long interviews. I, I find it relaxing to listen to a really long interview and like I don't think there's anything wrong with not having strippers on the show and I mean Artie's claim to fame besides being amazing on the Stern show and just honest and funny was that he they had a contest of who could throw the most baloney on a stripper's ass and Artie would always win because <laughs> Artie is like a great athlete and anything physical or athletic Artie would win really um, yeah because Artie Artie like there was a bit where like they were on tour or something and Artie had to Artie was like I could beat any woman pro basketball player in a game of one on one and Artie's like 300 pounds chain smokes cigarettes does heroin drinks whatever and he played a WNBA star and I think he won no way I think he won Cause he's is this just back fucking, when he was doing coke and he was a little more... No, liberal? he was fat as hell. And he's just sh- popping jumpers and knocking them down. Artie's <laughs> like fucking a beast. He like he, His dream was to be a, a baseball player. He, and that's why Artie... And Artie's a degenerate gambler, you know, alcoholic, drug addict, uh, obviously. But the, he told this story and he said uh, his highlight of being on the radio... Um, he was deep, and this is the the greatest dopey story. Yeah. You know, one of the, everything. Artie is our unicorn. Yeah. Artie is our gold box that we will never get to open because he's so funny and so depraved and so perfect. All of his stories. We gotta but, get him on. But here. I never heard I'm this. Sa- one. You know, I'm saving one story. The one story that I refuse to tell on Dopey. If Artie Lang comes on, I'll tell it. You were saving it for the fucking East Side crack. No, 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 no. I wasn't. No, no. You'll tell it. I really? won't tell it unless because it's it, first of all, it's not even that funny, and it's just like the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, it's like it's not even a super dopey story, but it's just like it's really bad. So Artie's greatest uh, radio, and Artie has like Artie sat in the room the first time Howard interviewed Paul McCartney. And 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 Artie's doing shtick, and Artie was really funny in that. But and Artie's Artie's interviewed you know a million names. He's been hysterical on the Howard Stern show, tearing people up, and uh, and, and just doing shtick. It was just fucking perfect. But his favorite moment, and I never heard this story, was uh, Howard was starting to change a little bit, but it was still the old school Howard Stern show. But Artie was deep into dope. And the comedian and actress uh, and talk show host Kathy Griffin comes on the Stern Show, and um, and they're having this very serious. Kathy talk. Griffin is the uh, the redhead, the Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's the devil. Is that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's funny. And the only way you know anybody is through Seinfeld <laughs> or like Family Guy. Um, you know, I watch um, Star Trek religiously. I watch it every night, and I'm going back through all the series. I finally learned who Will Wheaton was. Well, why would you ever know who Only Will Wheaton was? Only from Family Guy, because they talk about it all the time in Family uh, Guy. And then finally I got to the next generation, and I was like, oh, that's who Will Wheaton is. You know is. what Will Wheaton's breakout role was, though? What? Gordy in Stand By Me. Oh, really? He was the lead. I haven't seen Stand By Me for so long. Mm. Rob Reiner, where are you? He Kill. tweeted about us once, sort of. He retweeted Nick Reiner's tweet. Yeah. Anyway, so Artie's story about Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin is on the show uh, almost crying because she had just won an Emmy for who knows what. Crying in jubilation. Or just, no, like maudlin, like like it was, it was because she was talking about the Emmy that she had won and about how she talked to her mother and how when she was a girl... Her and her mother would watch, watch the, the Emmys, Emmys and okay. dream, you know, and she wasn't crying in Jubilee. She was crying in that sort of, yeah. sh- you know, yeah. saccharine, schmaltzy, yeah. you know, what's the word? Sentimentality. Would you and, say it was cathartic for her? 
Maybe. Um, but Artie didn't. Artie was in the room, nodding on heroin, snoring during the interview. And Kathy Griffin's like, could you please have him removed? Now, meanwhile, Artie... It's so funny because it's also like, you know, and this is in part from Seinfeld, but like, from what I know of Kathy Griffin, it's like she's one step behind or in front of Rosie O'Donnell. She doesn't get any respect. Right. I wonder why. And so, but like for Artie to be nodding out, that's consistent with like what I... Right, right. Because then nobody wants to pay attention to her. Yeah. Maybe it's because people don't find her to be physically attractive, which Artie went on and on to say... I don't even think she's that... I think she's okay. Yeah, me too. But Artie said without makeup, she's not. That was one of his big shticks in this thing. Yeah. But that's not the point here. Yeah. The point is that uh, he's snoring nodding out while she's telling this very sentimental story and then not to mention she's a stand-up comedian and Artie is an amazing stand-up and she says to Howard can you please get him out of here because (laughs) he's just disturbed her so much he doesn't even know what the fuck is going on and I think Howard felt bad and Howard's like Artie could, could you go and they have to wake him up and like walk him out and they put him in her makeup room with with all of her makeup artists and he passes out again and he wakes up at the end of the show and he said he made nine hundred thousand dollars <laughs> that day or something. And this was For the nodding great out. He also told a story. Uh he was on the Opie from Opie and Anthony uh radio show on Sirius, and he told a story like he when he, while he was putting down Howard, he also can't resist to to push him up because Artie loves Howard and yeah. Artie just I think there's a lot of pain yeah. in this, this whole conversation so this what you're recounting is years after the falling out yeah yeah and, and through Artie's podcast and hearing Artie on uh, Opie's show yeah and Artie talks about how Howard was helpful in the in the very in the middle of the run while he was on the Stern show and, and Howard's like Artie whatever you need go get better and your job is going to be here do whatever you need and Artie's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to rehab, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he goes down to Florida. He's there for like three days. He's like, fuck this. He, he gets a hooker. He checks into a hotel in South Beach, stays up all night doing coke. And in the morning, while Stern is live, he calls in. And they think he's in <laughs> rehab. And he's like, I'm a, you know. Is he pretending he's in rehab or did no, he tell what No, he's happened? like gloating with the whore. And he has like the waiter who's delivering room service on the phone and you know, yeah, but, and and then it was just it's sad, and, and it's also the saddest thing is that like as a real Stern fan, which yeah. I am, there was a beautiful camaraderie of family, which is I think why Artie feels so bad yeah. because he feels like his dad. You know, I think he feels like a real. You know, like father-son thing with Howard or big brother thing with Howard. And Howard is like not interested or or I think Howard's scared, to be honest. I think Howard – Artie – the other thing that's not talked about and maybe this is going to prevent Artie from ever coming on Dopey. But Artie tried to kill himself and I think that scared the shit out of Howard. Yeah. And I think – why he sweeps it under the rug. It's not something – I just think that Howard's like he doesn't know what to do with it. Okay. And I think that Artie doesn't Artie doesn't want to talk about that. What a dark thing for Artie, I think. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Well, anyways, I love dope, both of this them. This isn't Dopey the podcast about Artie Lang and Howard Stern. So I thought you wanted I did. I'm I did, just I smoking a no, cigarette and he's like, I want you to talk no, about Artie Lang. No, I did. I want to hear more of it. But we You're should. such an asshole. Why? How could you do this to me? What do you mean? I stick my neck out yeah. telling dumb stories about No, I about think it's Artie great. Lang. No, I think it's great. But I want to interrupt it and pivot because we have somebody waiting for right. us to call him. Right. And before you call the person who is waiting, uh, Joe Schrank responded and he said he wants to come back and do a full episode about his big project that he's coming out, which is going to make... A considerable amount of waves. It's going to make gonna, heads spin. It's, yes, it's going to make heads spin. It has to do with addiction treatment, uh, and he's doing something totally out of the box, and he's going to come on Dopey and give us the exclusive about his new project. Is he going to come to the Hamptons? I'll read what he said. He said... He's got a kid out here, doesn't he? He does. Uh, so I said, I said, Joe, I said, uh, uh, we're recording Dopey. Can we talk about your new venture? Or should we wait? He said, let's wait. I'll come on and we can do a whole show on it. All right. 
Let's see if that ever happens. All he's, right. He's good. He has good follow-through. I you also, know what I love about Joe Shrink? Tell me. Is that, like, a lot of people who are in his situation, like, they would be like, oh, like, I'm only going to do something if there's, like, a considerable listener base or something like that. Joe writes articles for, like, little rink-a-dink websites. He was super pumped about coming on Dopey when he knew there wasn't many people who listened, um, which I always respect about him about that about him, you well, know? Well, the thing about Joe, I only met him once. Number one, I could tell he loves you. Like, he loves you. And number two, I think he came on as, like, a lark, and he's seen Dopey grow a little bit, and I think he's a little bit excited about that. Yeah. Well, that's what he loved. I mean, he started the fix, and that, like, I don't think he realized what a response it was going to get, and it ended poorly, and the site's dwindling, but he's super... You know, he had it in his sober living... He bought an ex-police dog to be a drug detection dog that lived in his sober living. And it was like nobody had ever done – so he just does these weird out-of-the-box things. And his sober living was like pretty liberal like in the sense that like it wasn't someone that like kicked people out quickly, you know, which you would think if he has a drug detection dog, it is. It was just like a but good But he gimmick. just likes to – yeah, it was sort of – I think it was he a does. He now does. the dog doesn't do anything. He's just Joe's dog, you know. That's awesome. Um, right, I just see. got I just got this text from Ryan. I just want to read it. Ryan's the conspiracy theorist who is on the last episode, and he wanted to just say, "I forgot to bring damn. I forgot to bring up the Simpsons episode where Homer is hired to kill the celebrities who don't quote unquote play along, and he goes immediately and murders Prince while Psycho Killer plays by Talking Heads." Oh, well. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. dun. Anyway, All right, let's call it. So here we go. This is a very, very exciting special guest, and I'm just going to say this. One of uh, a Dopey Nation member, yeah, the, for this real. Is the distinction of the first time we're having a listener call into the show. A real listener, not yeah. a friend. Yeah, just a he, random listener. We're, we are friendly with Scott. His name is Scott, and yeah. we are friendly with him, but we didn't know him before we started Dopey. Exactly. And, and he just reached out to us. So let's. We've let's, had several people that want to call in, but for some reason, this is the first person where it's, it's actually happening. He wrote some great emails. Great emails. Read we read his email um, on uh, the Nick Reiner episode, the second one. Yeah. Imagine if he doesn't answer. Where is he? Maybe he got cold feet. Hello? Hello? Yo, what's up, Ed? Hello, and welcome to Dopey. (laughs) Am I on the show? Here we go. We're here. You've made it, Scott. You've arrived. <laughs> the culmination of my existence. <laughs> what's up, Scott? It's Chris. Hey, what's up, buddy? How's it going? It's good to hear your voice, man. Yeah, yeah, cool. We were just uh, um, we were just doing a little introduction, saying that you're the first um, listener to call into the show. <laughs> nice. So you hold that distinction. I mean, yeah, it can never be taken away. What's going on, man? I, I saw that picture. How's your finger doing? For, uh, for the listeners, Man, I, Scott chopped his p- bit of his finger off. It, it was actually pretty bad. <laughs> I cut, like, usually, like, when you're a chef and you're cutting your knife, they teach you, like, if you slip, it's supposed to cut your fingernail or whatever. But I cut right through it and cut the top of my thumb off. It was actually pretty gnarly. Horrible. Uh, I, it amazed yeah, me. It was, because yeah. if it was me, there would be no chance I would go to work the next day. It would just be such oh, no, a it, perfect way yeah. not to go. <laughs> It happened, like, right in the middle of service, and I had, like, I was hanging, like, 20 tickets, and we had, like, 30-something open. So I just, like, ran to the back, duct-taped it up, and put a couple of gloves on. And there's, like, blood all over the, uh, the cutting board in the service station. I was the chef freaked out, but, yeah, I ended up finishing the shift. But uh, they couldn't do anything. I went to the doctor, and they just cut that tip of it off, and it's just deformed now. <laughs> Scott is know. hardcore. But that's the other thing. Scott's actually in recovery. Scott, you got years, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess, what, August 18th was four years. There you go, man. Some vape Beautiful. Um, but this is like a real, like, recovery person who's suiting up and showing up no matter what. Correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I'm the sous chef, so there's a bunch of people under me, so I can just walk out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, meetings in the program are a huge part of my life and stuff, that's for sure. Wouldn't you say that if it was before you got sober, there's no way you would have gone to work the next day? No, 
uh, no, I would have, I would have drawn and gotten uh, pain pills or something. I, I would have found a way to weasel out of that for sure. <laughs> Uh, and just for the do- for the Dopey Nation to know, um, Scott has a long and intricate history. If you want, you can just um, give them a really brief overview of your using days. Uh, let's see. I guess I started I started IV in uh, cocaine, like pharmaceutical coke and oxymorphone when I worked at a hospital. That was like I went from like smoking weed to shooting coke and uh, and. Uh, any kind of morphine derivative at the hospital uh, where I worked at. My dad was a general thoracic surgeon, and he got me a job working at the hospital. Anyways, that kind of led to the first rehab, and then I guess there was nine subsequent ones after that. Like, <laughs> uh, dope, heroin, uh, just really high-quality pharmaceuticals, I guess, because of the field that I worked in for a while was just how I rolled for a long time. But, I mean, like, I would... I would be really dirty and a terrible person and then I would get clean and have, you know, a great, you know, monetary success or whatever and then, you know, burn it to the ground. And that's just the cycle that worked. And then it wasn't until uh, I got charged insurance fraud, I guess it was in December of 2012 and I went to prison for a little over a year and a half and that's really where everything kind of clicked for me, unfortunately. What, so, was, what uh, was prison I, like? I don't know. Uh, it was pretty shitty, man. It, uh, it was in Mississippi. So if you ever heard of like Parchman or uh, Parchman is like one of the oldest. It's a farm. It's like there's no fences or anything like that. Uh, it's a huge farm and they produce all the uh, goods for the rest of the prison system in Mississippi. So it's literally like a farm. Have you ever seen that movie Life? Uh, yeah, uh, I have. Yeah, with Eddie Murphy and um, uh, yeah. what? Martin Lawrence. Those, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those cabins and stuff are, like, obviously they're updated a little bit, but that's really how the prison rolls. Like, there's different uh, camps depending on your classification, but uh, it's, it hasn't changed that much in, like, 50 years. It's super violent, super terrible. Like, there's no AC. It was, it was awful. Oh, you man. Know? A lot were of, you uh, clean? A lot of spaghetti you... squash? Uh, kind of. I don't know. It's <laughs> really... It's very... There's a big racial divide being... Uh, a redheaded white ginger in a Mississippi prison didn't help me. I can only uh, imagine. Yeah, that, that didn't really help me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I made it. I made it through it. It was a learning experience. It was one of those things that, like, I don't know. It's jails, institutions, and death. And this was one of the things I unfortunately had to go through. But it really helped me as far as I don't want to get back to this point, And I've taken my addiction to a level where this is where I go. Like, I, there's no stopping once I start. And the end point is there has to be some kind of huge intervention for me to stop, and prison is always it, or jail, or whatever. Right. Did you use any drugs in prison, or were you clean the whole time? No, it's actually clean the whole time. Uh, there's a lot of dope in the prison, but it's more Suboxone, and uh, that uh, synthetic marijuana spice is real bad. But I was locked up with this dude... Uh, uh, affiliation gangs and stuff are, of course, real big, but he was uh, one of the shot callers for one of the Mexican gangs. And we were talking one day, he was like, just swapping stories. And he was like, look, dude, why don't you try something different? Like, if you've always done drugs, you've always, you know, messed things up with that. While you're here, why don't you just try something different? Why don't you try not using And I don't know, you know, after a couple months go by, you know, I started working out. It just kind of changed my mindset. I was like, all right, I'm going to try not using And I really think it gave my mind long enough time to heal uh, or just, I don't know, just start, things started making sense once I had a significant time away from that environment. Isn't it amazing too though how talking to somebody like this guy who's a shot caller for the Mexicans, like how that can have like a profound effect on you when there were probably psychologists and drug counselors who had been saying something much more clinical for years, but it ended up being some sort of like active or ex-gang member who you're like, oh, maybe I really will try. Yeah, yeah and I had, I, one of the funniest conversations I had was with a doctor. Like, I have Crohn's disease, too, and alcohol, like, whenever I drink alcohol, like, it's almost an immediate physical reaction to where, like, digestive problems, blood, it's just terrible. And he was like, so let me get this straight. You won't drink alcohol, you know, because you have all these physical complications from it, but you will shoot heroin that, you know, has a myriad of other things that's yeah. way worse than a physical reaction. Yeah. 
And I mean, I was just like, yeah, but I have to shoot dope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so but I don't know, man. That conversation was just like burned into my mind uh, when I was in prison. And the fact that family relationships would make it the worst because it's like you're doing time, but your family's doing time too. So it really has a profound effect uh, on them. But it's gotten so much better since then. Like it actually ended up helping my family. Oh, totally. Like, my family, like, parents were always very loving. Um, never a lot of, like, sort of, like, public displays of affection or even private, do you know what I mean? But, like, very loving. But, like, through going to rehab and all this stuff, like, it kind of, like, radically changed their views on, like, um, basically how they related, like, with me and, like, I think even a little bit with my brother and sister, you know? Yeah, it, it's just... I don't know, one brother cut me off the whole time I was in there, and then, like, everybody else got a lot better until I got out and started being a normal person that that relationship was healed. But, like, when they came and saw me and everything, it was just, like, I, I think that's really when it changed for them when they saw the, uh, the situation that it put me in. I don't know. It was just, it's different. And nobody, I don't think you can really explain it until you go through that process. Dude, you but want... It, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's, it's, it's just, like... You can't explain it until you're like you're locked away from everything, and you just like it makes you so much more grateful for little freedoms. And then like I don't know, it's it's really hard to explain. Dude, you want to hear? I was such an asshole when I was like in the system and stuff. But I um, well, first of all, I never wanted my family to visit because I always was just thought like you know they would get older and they would remember it and stuff. And like finally, like the last time I went to jail, I was doing a year. And um, my mom and dad were like, we're definitely visiting. So this was in California. They flew out to California to see me. And um, I wasn't even like ready to really consider like a different way of life at all, you know. And I went and I, uh, they visit, I'm behind glass, you know, with the phones. And um, I come up, I see my mom and my dad and my mom's on the phone. And like, she just starts like crying hysterically. And uh, my reaction was actually that like, I was, like, embarrassed by her crying, and I remember, like, looking around. See who's looking at you. Yeah, looking around at the other inmates, and I was like, are they, like, you know, is Flacco and Chago, like, can they, like, see that, like, my mom's crying? And And it was like, and I still think about that to this day, that just, like, I had no ability to, like, put myself in her shoes until I conceptualized that like, oh, this is her youngest son who's like in jail, visiting behind glass. All I thought was like, I hope nobody sees my mom crying. You but know? that's classic self-centered obsession. Totally. You know, that's the thing. That's the classic. But that's and that's but that's what we do. You yeah. know what I mean? We. It's amazing, yeah. amazing. I wanted to hear about. Uh, I wanted to hear about a bunch of stuff. But the first thing that crossed my mind was how you would steal drugs from the hospital, just when you were mentioning Well, we that. have that email, too, that you sent, which was great, you know? Yeah, that, that was actually, it was really, really easy. When I first started, I'll never forget it. There's this black dude named Malcolm, and he had been there, like, we're in, it's, I say orderly, but, like, our job was, I worked in the ER. My father was uh, chief of staff and the head thoracic surgeon, so, like, you get there, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, they give you a patient list of the surgeries that were going down, and there's 10 operating rooms. And you'd say, all right, Scott, you're assigned to operating room 789, and you're a patient with, and you go up to the room where the patient is, and you bring them on the gurney, bring them down, and they would uh, anesthetize the patient, put them to sleep or whatever. They, they were operating on their leg or their arm. Once they were asleep, you, like, hold it in the air, and they create sterile field for it, blah, blah, blah. And then you could stay and watch the surgery if you wanted to, and you didn't have to do anything else until the surgery was finished, and then you, like, clean and break down the room. But, man... Malcolm had the in with the pharmacist, and this was back in, like, 2000 or 99. From 99 to, like, 2002, 2003, something like that. The regulations were just not there at the hospital. And especially the Coke is what really got me started. And it was, like, Merck, pharmaceutical, cocaine, hydrochloride. Like, this stuff was unbelievable. What was it there for? Yeah, it was, I mean, it's the only thing, only person I've ever really read about that had a lot of access to it was like Keith Richards' book, uh, Life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he wrote it, he wrote about it, how they, him and Mick Jagger used to get it all the time, but man. Yeah, you don't see it much, you don't see it, my my friend worked in a pharmacy and he said there was some, like a little vial of eye drops that he said was like never prescribed, but like, he said that um, even in pharmacies they never use it, so why, why were they using it in the emergency room? 
it was more for facial surgeries and stuff that came in, and it was a pediatric special uh, specialty hospital too. And it's just used to like when kids would uh, stick stuff in their nose or in their ear. That was a real big one. It was an anesthetic. But why don't they just use lidocaine? Because coke worked better. <laughs> no, because in in the Keith Richards book, I remember it was like it, it always. It also was what Elvis would do. Elvis had, and it was also in the South. Elvis would have these uh, connections at these pharmacies and get the the liquid pharmaceutical cocaine, and then he would have these gigantic swabs, and he would swab the liquid and just shove it up his nose like these long fucking Q-tips. But that was back in the early seventies. I wonder if, for some reason, this might be my uh, my northern Yankee elitism. Maybe these backwater southern <laughs> hospitals just just held on to fucking liquid coke or, or pharmaceutical yeah. coke. I wonder. Wh- I wonder if there's pharmaceutical coke in the Hamptons in the hospital for facial <laughs> surgery. Because because Scott, I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Scott, we're in the Hamptons right now. Our, our time in Manhattan is over, and we're at, we're at the Chris's parents' sprawling spread <laughs> in fucking Southampton. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, you would, it's pretty nice. You wouldn't believe these gigantic <laughs> portraits of <laughs> Chris and his family. <laughs> and, uh, and and you know what his parents have? <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen a motorized uh, toilet bowl cleaner? A br- you know? Oh, you, yeah. You have. Yeah, my parents have them at their house. Wow. He's but, but, blowing everything out of proportion, Scott. Do, do, are your parents well off, Scotty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad's really, a chief of surgery. Like See, where, where I'm from, we just fucking have to scrub that shit. It's all elbow grease. There's Wait, no but switch. Let, him, let him finish the story. I'm so, sorry. I'm so sorry, he's I'm in sorry. the Okay, so you're in the ER. Um, you could watch the surgeries. Just continue with the story with what happened. Oh, yeah, okay. So, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm... I started this job when I was, like... 17 and I did it uh, in the summers and during the week too when I was uh, in high school and then I get like the second semester of my senior year like barely ever had to go to class so I was more involved but uh, anyways Malcolm had the end with his fucking coke and you know we started doing it all the time and uh, he wouldn't really charge me that much for it and I always had money anyways we were making good money but uh, anyways uh, to come down off the coke I was like dude I gotta get some sleep I can't do this anymore. It's like, oh, you just need some of that morphine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this this dude was like, I mean, he's really funny. Like, I guess in actuality, he's probably was like in his mid thirties, and I was like 19, 17, 18, 19, whatever. But he looked like he was a hundred. But uh, I mean, he ran the hospital. Like, he knew everything and all the ins, all the outs. And uh, he turned me on to the morphine, and that was what really oxymorphone or whatever clotted. And uh, that's where I really started spending a lot of money. But uh, what led to the first rehab was uh, I was assigned. I'll never, I'll never forget it. It was operating room eight, nine, and ten. And those were the orthopedic rooms. And uh, ten wasn't being used until like later on in the day. And this was like about nine thirty, ten o'clock. I was waiting for one surgery to be finished. So I go and I miss a shot of coke and a shot of morphine, and I hit it. And I go back to operating room ten to chill out. I'm really wigging out right now. And uh, I decided that it would be a good idea to do a little nitrous oxide with it. And I started going to fish shows and stuff, and we call it hippie crack uh, around the fish community or whatever. So anyways, I, we have this key chuck that uh, undoes all the tanks. And I undid the oxygen and cranked the uh, nitrous oxide of the tent. And I thought it would be a really good idea to lay down, like, it looks like a cross, almost like an operating table. But uh, I put the pulse oximeter on my finger. And I cranked it up to 10, and I started laying down. And if you've ever done the whippets, you know, you get that wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Whatever. You start getting super high. And uh, I remember doing that, and then I wake up, and there's like 10 or 12 nurses in there, and everybody's standing around. And they're like, congratulations, you just got brought back to life. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and what had, what had happened was I'm an idiot, of uh, course, and I had no... Uh, I had, well, it was, I wasn't breathing any oxygen. It was just nitrous oxide. It was just you didn't mix it? Yeah, and I luckily I put the pulse oximeter in that little uh, sticky pad thing on me. I was just so high. I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, oh, this should be a good idea. I should just put myself all the way up to this operating machine, and this will work out. That's and, uh, funny. Luckily, I did that, but what was terrible was I set off the code blue in the alarm because I stopped breathing. Well, and, that was uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good, but uh, 
if you if it's a really loud alarm, like if you've ever been in an ER or whatever, that machine that controls the oxygen and everything, it's a really loud alarm. So it starts going off. It sends a signal to the charge nurse who looks at it and is like, why is somebody in the top grading room not being used? And so she walks back there and, you know, this is all recounted to me, but she's, you know, I'm all blue. I've got the thing strapped onto my face and I didn't put any of my works or anything away. So like there's stolen morphine and fucking Coke and dirty spoons and needles all sitting right there. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it was really shitty. And, uh, of course, you know, all these, my dad's basically are halfway to all these people's bosses and it's, it was just, it was terrible. Like the disappointment that my father had and then they like took me out of the operating room and brought me to the break room and I'm still super bombed on coke and, and morphine, you know, like I got a huge shot and I'm coming off all the nitrous. I have no idea what's going on. And uh, that led to the first rehab. That was the, oh uh, my God. that's, that was the that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, at least I you didn't die. Like, if you died, I mean, your family never get over it, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was, I mean, it's still my higher power and stuff at work because that that happened for a reason. But I, that was one of the first times I uh, I definitely should have died. But uh, that, that started a long string of rehabs. Like, that was that led to the one in, uh, in Georgia in the mountains. It was fucking awful. That was the worst. <laughs> when I met when I met Chris within within three days of meeting him, we were talking about how much better rehab would be for drug addicts if it was just a place that had drugs where, where addicts could go to do drugs and it, and it sounds like that's what working at a hospital in the early and in, in like the you know before 2003 was like that you had access to every drug you're alone in a fucking operating theater with every drug you can think of and you're just going to town like I can't even yeah. imagine it was crazy. One of the uh, nurse anesthetists that I played golf with, like, uh, he was a traveling nurse anesthetist, which, you know, I think he was based out of, like, Chicago or something, but he was doing a, uh, a stint down in, uh, in Rock Hill, where the hospital was in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Anyway, he was a dope thing, too, and he started giving me those fentanyl uh, suckers. Yeah, and, the uh, lollipops. Yeah, 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 the lollipops. And those things, like, I don't know, it was weird. Like, this is before oxygen. I mean, I don't know if it just wasn't regulated or I was just you know, in a, a redneck hole where everybody did drugs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can countless times, you know, sitting there eating those suckers and stuff. And uh, when I would go to rehab, they're like, well, who gave you drugs? And I was like, I mean, I work with all these people. They were, I was like, you know, Mark, Dr. Blah, 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 whatever. But uh, I don't know. It sucked. It's huh. far the fuck out. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy, 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 crazy. Um, yeah. So I want now, I want you to tell us... Uh, if you don't mind, just because I'm like, uh, what is the word? Uh, full of myself. What's the word for that? Uh, self-centered. Conceited. No. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> conceited and I'm full of myself. I want I want to hear about how you found Dopey and and and, and how Dopey uh, affected you. It's good for us. Oh, that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, man. Uh, and I, yeah, I think you know we trade emails back and forth. I found it that weekend that uh, I had uh, surgery. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is the worst, shittiest surgery ever. I, like I said, I've got Crohn's. I've probably had like 20 different surgeries, but this one was especially shitty. Uh, no <laughs> pun intended. Your ass- <laughs> yeah, yeah, having your <laughs> asshole cut open is, is never is never fun. Yeah. But, uh, man, I was like, I had to take oxygen. There was no way around taking, not taking hard narcotics. And, like, with the NSAIDs, which is, you know, ibuprofen or whatever, it aggravates your stomach. And my liver has had problems from, you know, all the abuse over the years, so I can't really take Tylenol. So, like, the only thing they can really give you is, like, you know, Dilaudid, and I didn't want to take that. And that's not a very good painkiller unless you IV it anyways. Uh, but so I had to take OxyContin. Anyways, my sponsor kept the prescription and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was actually bombed on Oxy, like, post-op. I think it was, like the day after the surgery or the night after or whatever. But uh, I think I did a search on my podcast for like heroin or recovery or something. <laughs> and uh, and something, some crazy search in Dopey popped up and I saw the sign and just started listening and I was like, shit, this is fucking hilarious. Uh, so it was before you took the new episode down, but I think one of the first ones I heard was that one where uh, Chris broke into the uh, vet's office for the scene of Arbitol and that was 
He did. He did. Well, I should have gone longer. It's because of his parents' yeah. vast wealth and holdings that he, that he only yeah. did a short term. If he had been Mexican, he'd still be in there. Yeah. It made me think of that uh, one of those first rehabs I went to in Georgia. They would hit you with phenobarbital if you like started freaking out or like making an ass of yourself or whatever, or if your blood pressure got too high. And we would always try to like start fights with each other, like, you know, act retarded to get a shot. And they were like, we're going to give you the silver bullet and you would seen a barbital. And that's like the only time I've ever seen that drug used. <laughs> that was Chris's move too. Yeah, that was my move. In rehab, Chris would like pick up things and break windows so they'd give him the shot. It was a shot. It was actually a shot of, the shot was Haldol. But they put a little Ativan in it too. <laughs> <laughs> the hell dollars. <laughs> I don't know, man. That, I, I did some county jail time where they had the, uh, the hell doll pills that I did one time. But they always they have, don't they have to give you something else with the hell doll. They give you. They give you. It's called a three two one. They give you Haldol, Ativan, and I think it's Benadryl or something to prevent um, tar dive dyskinesia or Bell's palsy. Because, like, your yeah, face yeah. goes, like, your face can get all droopy. It's all these side effects for Haldol. You should yeah, see like his face. Scott, you should see Chris. When, when Chris is listening to your stories, he's, like, slumped over. <laughs> his, he's staring at the microphone. I just see the wheels turning in his head. Like, it, it's just, and when he gets to. Are they to, turning more than for the conspiracy theories? Oh, when, when he gets to hear, like, like mixes of, of how to get a shot with a little phenobarbital. <laughs> then he hears a little prison. He hears, he hears fucking phar- pharmaceutical coke. Those words. Chris goes straight black. His eyes reflect inward, and he just sees like this fantasy. He, he gets all slumped over and still. <laughs> he gets, it's the best. Oh man, yeah, I wish you could I, see I, it. I've run, into, I've run into that in the street one time. It was I went to see Fish in Vegas, and uh, I think it was 2012. And my buddy was buying a bunch of uh, shrooms. It was actually right before I went away, and some dude had the vials. But so it's the only other time I've seen it for sale anywhere. Huh. Did, did did we Wait, read? Did we, we read Scott's? About, uh, I don't know if we can. Oh, okay. Can we talk about that thing that we were writing about and talking about yesterday? She hasn't written me back yet, so we probably shouldn't. But I can tell the funny story about the needle at fish. Did you read that grilled cheese sandwich story on Dopey or no? No. What was that? Yeah, tell the story, Scott. Please. All right. Oh, this is a really funny one again. Uh, Alright, well it was at uh, Coventry, it was Fish's last band, like they said they were going to break up, they were going to play this huge festival, and then Fish was going to be no more. So I remember, uh, I went to I a- went to it, and then I was going to go to Coventry, but I couldn't make it for some reason. Yeah, Coventry was awful, it was like the worst five days of my life. That's what everyone said, but, uh, it was way better than Coventry. Yeah, Fish was all, I mean, Trey was all smacked out, and you can watch the videos of it, like, they're bawling on stage and scratching his nose and you know it was it was awful but uh i think the funniest part was uh or we had to park the cars like two or three miles like they stopped letting people into the festival because the mud was so bad and traffic was so bad so everybody's like well look i paid all this money i'm coming to see this is fish's last stand like nobody's gonna turn themselves away so everybody parked their cars in the median going in there's in this one little town everybody just pulls their cars into the median all haphazardly and like complete stoner drug addicts would park their cars and uh so we take our packs and we're walking into the show we finally get there and the mud's like you, we almost immediately lose our shoes and there's nothing you can do it's like up, almost up to your knees in some parts and my buddy Michael and I are walking and there's this rando dude to our right and uh nobody has own shoes we've all lost them in the mud can't find them and uh all of a sudden the guy to our right goes oh oh my foot we're like, oh, dude, what's going on, man? What happened? And he picks up his foot, and there's, you know, his bare foot, there's a needle stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. And he just, he just picks it up, and, like, I made eye contact with him, and I was like, oh, my God. That's, like, worst-case scenario. And yeah. I didn't know what That's, like, the thing they put in on movies that, like, never really happens, you know? But it actually happened. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting, you know, meanwhile, I've got like eight grams on me and all my work stuff. And I was like, oh, but I'm a good drug addict. I would never just bury my needle in the mud. But, <laughs> but maybe that somebody yeah. dropped it. Maybe that, you know, they, they didn't realize, you know? Yeah, that's, that's 
probably true, but I just remember locking eyes with that kid, and I was just like, oh, no, you're about to have the worst weekend ever. <laughs> but uh, that was also the weekend, and I think you read the story about when I uh, burned my mom's car to the ground. Yeah, the first email, you, the uh, first story you sent us. It was great. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was really crazy, too. My mom brought that up the other day because uh, Michael, the guy that went to the show with me, we had to evacuate to his house for uh, the hurricane that came through like two weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, I still don't know. I, we're in my mom's car. I, first of all, like I said, I lied and said that I was going to the AA conference or something in Charlotte and could I use her brand-new Suburban. And uh, retardedly, she gave me uh, her car. So we drive it up there and uh, go to the show. And on the way back, we got all this kerosene and gas that we didn't use because we didn't take a bunch of stuff into the show because we only took what we carried. But uh, I had a blowtorch because I didn't like when I liked the heat my heroin I didn't want all that black smudge marks on the bottom and uh, anyways that got depressed or somehow the kerosene got uh, ignited in the back and it was like almost instantaneous kerosene has like that real thick black billowy smoke <laughs> and it was like within like two minutes dude the car was engulfed and it completely burned down to the tires and so <laughs> having, having to yeah having to call my mom and say like not only am I about to be super dope sick but I have no money I'm in Vermont when I told you I was going to be in Charlotte like I was supposed to be an hour away and I'm you know five states away there's a new and car I, too right yeah yeah it was almost I think it was like seven or eight hundred miles on it when she gave it to me. oh my god <laughs> and, and the only reason she gave it to me was because I was going to be a good recovery son and go to the AA convention in Charlotte <laughs> so she still says she said we're able to laugh about it now, but uh, at the time it wasn't that funny. Dude, that is a wild story. How many? How many? Yeah. So like, how many times did you start and stop getting clean before you started to get some serious time? Uh, at least four good stints of like over a year. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I just I, like I said, I'm more like. I'm more off to use on like a random Friday night than as opposed to like going to a festival or something and using. But it's just like, for me, it's, it's so stress related. Like I'll get worked up about bills or work or if I don't take like certain steps, if I don't work out, if I don't go to meetings, if I don't talk to my sponsor and do those certain things, like I'm going to use. And it's just like, I have, I'm super organized now. And if I, like, I don't follow my OCD checklist, like it just goes bad for me. But no, I mean, I've got enough time now to where I still do those same things every day. What do you what totally. do you think about what do you think about Chris here? Chris is he's on Reddit. He hasn't been to a meeting in three weeks. What do you what are we gonna what do you maybe you gotta give Chris some words here? Man, Chris, I told you, man, I, you cannot go on Reddit. Can I, can I talk about that? Oh man, like, yeah. Well, I had a sponsee that like used to go on YouTube and Google. He was like, "Well, I really want to use." So when I want to use, I go like go on YouTube and I watch people shoot heroin. Oh, yeah, it's retarded. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, that's so fucking dumb. Yeah, it's like, so dumb, dude. And it's just going to drive yourself crazy because whether it's like pill porn or like whatever it is, like I, I, heroin's fucking awesome. You know, I wish I could hold up in my house and shoot heroin all day, every day, but I don't like the consequences that come with it. And it, that's all that does is not, I don't know if it's romanticizing it or whatever, but I mean, it just puts that thought in your head, whether it's like in the front or back like eventually it's going to work its way into action so for me I can't look at that shit like movies and stuff don't bother me but if I'm if I'm on Reddit or something or YouTube I can't I can't do that stuff well it's the old, I mean it, there's the neuroscience behind it it's like fire together wire together with your neurons and it's like if you think about it enough you're activating those old like neural Paths, pathways yeah. and then it's it's like reviving it you know what I mean yeah, yeah, but I mean, the other thing, as far as meetings go, I mean, you're obviously revolved in recovery, you know, pretty much every day, so I don't know if you really need to go to a lot of meetings, Chris, but I mean, I don't know, I do, you know what I mean, all, all I know is, like, what works for me, and I tell people, you know, this is, I'm, first of all, I'm a terrible, you know, emotional racist, narcissist, so you probably don't need to do what I do anyway, but... Yeah. No, I just think it's funny to, to fuck with, with Chris with that shit. No, but you're so right, though. So if I don't do the same things that you're doing and put together enough time that's just abstinent, eventually, like, my shoelace breaks and I get high. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it's you, you, anything. You turn on the computer and somebody's <laughs> drawing up a shot and it's over for you. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, what was I going to say? What about this, Scott? Just just as like a sort of like, uh, what about people uh, who get, tri- who could, could you see people getting triggered from Dopey? Like, and I've turned a bunch of people onto it, and, like, everything that I've heard has been positive in their coverage, you know, because, like, I I really think it opens up lines. It's like, I can identify with the stuff that Chris did and, the, you know, the music and the stuff that you like, and, like, you, I see myself in your, in your guys' actions and what you're doing, and I think it's something positive, you know what I mean? I, I never bought into the whole thing of, you know, war stories don't romanticize that I really think a big part of recovery is relationships that are generated. Right, uh, shared experience. Like, we've been yeah, through a war. They're called war stories because it's a fucking war. And, like, soldiers, exactly. soldiers, like, bond over it, and we... They go to the VA. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> they get high there. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? Fucking shit, man. I was going to say something good. I forgot. Oh, no, you know who hates Dopey? Uh, my sponsor. He thinks it's worthless. <laughs> fucking hates it. But he's a hater. My sponsor says everybody calls him Dr. No because he hates everything. And it's true. I don't know. He sounds like I wouldn't like him. <laughs> you, he's sweet, but he hates Dopey. He, he called Dopey. He said that we tr- we're, we're wannabe Wayne's World. That was, that was his quote about Dopey. Um, Man, I'm, I'm the whole thing. Like, I, I'd love to play guitar. I, I suck at it, but I like to play. And it's like, my sponsor gets on me because I spend so much money on guitars and, and stupid stuff like that. And he's like, you're not very good. You're not going to play live. And I was like, well, it kills time and I like doing it. So, you know, it's one of those things like if it's positive for you, it really doesn't matter what other people think. And you're obviously trying to reach out to other people. So, I mean, I think it's dope. I think it's great. Yeah, I feel good about it, too. You want to hear we have to we didn't do an email of the day. Do you, um, want, you want to hear an email we just got or we got semi recently? Yeah. Well, what am I, which one? Uh, whichever. Oh no, let's do do the one, do that crazy uh, uh, UK one. Oh, uh, you want to read it? Yeah, read it. I'll read it. Here, I'll find it. Yeah, it's S A U or something. Something from the UK. Yeah. Um, sweetenings from that one. Maybe. If it shows up. Sweetenings. Fucking shit. We're experiencing technical difficulties over here at the Dopey headquarters. How'd you get a night off from Olive Garden anyway, Dave? You don't have to work for us on Friday? It's Saturday, buddy. It's Saturday. I work every other weekend. I work every other weekend. I used to get so high at work that uh, that the guys I worked with would, would like tell stories about how they would see me at a table eating french fries off somebody's table right off right yeah. off their plate no i would like serve the fries and i would just like be so bold as to take one <laughs> dip it in their ketchup and eat it or like and then the stories get worse and worse like somebody's like i remember one time you spilled hot coffee on a customer and laughed at him and then the next guy said i remember one time you dropped a reuben on a customer's head <laughs> but uh it's not true i don't believe it I've, uh, <laughs> reminds me of another story. We have an employee bathroom at work, and, uh, this is one of my jobs in, in Rock Hill when I was in college. And, uh, it was like me, and there was like three other dudes. We all shot dope and Rockies at the time. And, uh, they, they posted an employee memo Please do not leave dirty syringes in the trash can. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was like posted, like, on the port, and the <laughs> chef came back. It was like, the chef came back was like, I know it's somebody back here like, oh, no, that's front of the house. That's the bedroom. <laughs> that's right. right. We, don't, we don't do that. We don't do that back here. <laughs> it was totally my friends and I. They, I was usually pretty good about just reusing the same dagger all day. But that was like... Uh, but a, but a new needle was the greatest thing. Hmm. <laughs> um, I remember recently me and, uh, me and my, do- me and my fiancé uh, had to go upstate for a ticket she had gotten and we go to the gas station at Cumberland Farms and there's a, a sign above the garbage in Cumberland Farms in this fucked up town 
please insert all syringes in this toxic waste oh, canister yeah. in a fucking public bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And like there was a, a number for the needle exchange. Like that town must wow. be really fucked up. I forgot the name of it. But here, I'm going to read this email. This, uh, okay. He said, this it's is, a little like uh, it's written with from it's from the UK, so it's got like that vibe to it. Just this, so you know, this English thing. Um, should I do it in an English accent or no? If you want, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hello, I'm called Steve. After, no, okay. After searching for a podcast that gets the mix just right for recovery and twisted self-inflicted bedlam, you hit my sweet spot. You hit my sweet spot. Oh, my accent sucks. As being a seasoned user for most of my adult life, I have had my share of clean time, enough to be a functioning user and general drone within the public sector. Working for the UK government was 10 years I'll never get back, but damn did I hold it down, kicking and screaming, until the destruction of my team, co-workers, and disturbing... Scott, what are you doing out there? What is that? What's going on? <laughs> Hello? Oh, sorry. What yeah, is that? No, I'm here. What was that? Sorry, I was, I was walking around. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like the world was ending. Um, uh, disturbing my pre-planned nod times, traveling from hotel to hotel to train staff whilst... They witnessed my glorious downward spiral and ending up with a severance package that was too big for my bad behavior. Uh, I didn't bother taking it up with my union. Instead, I packed my bags and prepared a narco-tourism holiday that lasted, well, a bloody long time. I have countless stories of busts, classic withdrawal, near escapes, the usual, but with a good bit of spice towards the end. Thank God for keeping a diary. I purposely worked three regular jobs to make it hard to use H and used crack, cheap speed to keep me awake until my severance package was released. This provided me with a diving board to erect in Southeast Asia to stumble into the void until everything blew up in my stupid face. Yay. Things got way crazy. I doubted real and the unreal. Southeast Asia was my hedonistic playground. Heavenly at times, and damn right scary. Near-death experiences, etc. But I had other plans. The world has seemed to align, and here's an idea or two. You both being stateside is awesome, as I know my pop culture for the area you live in. So I can understand everything in your podcasts, and brilliant they be. My girlfriend has problems understanding some of the parts, so I have to explain to her as the UK scene and beyond is very different from stateside. The lingo and the slap on the wrist UK attitude. I would love to shine some light on that. Let's build dopey UK. As a gentleman, instead of ripping your idea and calling it smackhead or some equally undopey branch out man. I have some good web skills, can create websites for you, provide basic whatever SEO is, social media and SE. What's SEO? Search engine optimization. Search engine optimization. We could really use that. We don't um, have a website. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a website. Um, Creative Forum, a trucking app for iPhone NA. What's that? Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, networking and basic Photoshop and film editing market your dopey brand. And could easily put together a UK podcast with guests via Skype, including both yourselves. I had to play around with your logo, and he did it. Anyway, I remember Vice.com as a child, and now the monster hit has become. So let's try and do this for Dopey, with your consent, of course. Thanks for the podcast. Talk soon, huh? Turn Dopey into a cult, man. LOL. Hmm. Uh, clean time six months, kinda. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> yeah, no, kinda. Yeah. Not even kind of. Yeah. Kinda. Uh, Peace, smackhead Steve. That one wasn't really much of a story. It was just him rambling. Yeah, that was kind of a you. But you, it's cool that somebody in the UK wanted to do it. But then I started yeah. writing with him. No, I mean that's that's cool. You've got outreach everywhere, though. I mean, like I don't know. I'm jealous. 
<laughs> of what? You're here. You're 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 in. You're on the team. We're moving forward. I know. I'm part of it. That's pretty cool. Like, got- it's funny. Like I've turned a bunch of people onto it. Like I work a lot in the morning, so like I make the prep Mexicans listen to it all the time. I'm sure. I'm sure they love it. <laughs> Some of the Flacco, the one that speaks all the English, does. But, does he? Uh, they're all. They're they're crazy, man. They're all MS13, and they all like every four months they just leave for harvest, and they're they're wild. Hmm. So there's no there, there's no Dominicans there, huh? No, no, it's all it's all Mexicans mostly. Uh, I can't really say I've ever met a Dominican down here, but it's all like Mexican or Guatemalan. I mean, they're all from school. They work real hard. Yeah, but they're all illegal. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll, I'll I'll do their electronic I nine, and their social will come back to like a seventy eight year old, you know, female, and it's like a twenty year old male in front of me. So <laughs> I don't know. It's different. <laughs> Well, I don't, we are not anti-immigrant uh, or illegal alien on Dopey. We love them all. Oh, no, de- yeah, exactly. Definitely not. Especially the Dominicans. Um, and I just want to say to Steve, because Steve really wanted to do a UK uh, version of Dopey, and, and we kind of like miscommunicated, uh, but uh, we'd love to talk to you. We wanted to get you on the show, and hopefully we will. Right? Yeah. You got nothing to say? Yeah, I concur. Chris is ready for bed. You should see his face. Um, but Scott, we're going to split. We love having you on. We love that you're a part of the team. Yeah, definitely, dude. I really appreciate it. It'd be awesome. And uh, I sent her an email. I should know some about what we talked about, I would imagine. They're in Atlanta now. I think they take the next two days off, and then they play Wednesday or somewhere. But, like, yeah. Uh, she'll, she always emails me back. I've known her for, like, ten years. So that uh, that door is definitely open, though. Yeah, I had a funny fish story, but we'll save it for another time because we're 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 late. Um, cool. But uh, thanks, thank you very 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 much, Scott. You should say toodles. Don't say fucking toodles. You say stay strong, dopey nation. <laughs> yeah, stay strong. Don't use that's what I usually say. Right? <laughs> there it is. Right, and, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you guys. It's pretty cool, man. Thank you. It's awesome. We're so happy we got you on the phone. It was really fun and really enlightening. Yeah, man, yeah, I'll be in contact. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. All right. All right Good night, bud. All right, guys. Later. So there it is. Yeah, so uh, write us a review and tell us what you think of Scott. Yeah, right. iTunes. Apple Podcast app. Yeah, don't be a fucking stranger. Dude, you wanted to do another one, and you're, like, passed out. I'm good. I'm ready to go. You don't look good. <laughs> I'm ready to rep. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, write us an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Don't be a stranger. Let us know what you thought. And um, toodles. I also want to know what you think about the Hamptons versus the Lower East Side. Hamptons is nice. I mean, we'll do another one. I want to do one in New York in um, in December. I think we should do it in the belly of your beast of your restaurant. Just chill, man. Why not, dude? Goodbye. Have some pastrami and some fries. What are you doing? Some, what? What are you What are you doing? I'm just talking. Mm-hmm. Listen. First of all, they don't want it there. Second of all, we don't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to pay attention. You can't even <laughs> do it in an empty house. Um, anyway, have a good night. Uh, toodles. Let your freak flag fly. I wanna take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good? Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by and I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had